I'd like to tell you a story about a 78-year-old woman. Her name was Alita, and she's from Rotterdam, Netherlands. And she'd been smoking for 50 years. And for 50 years, she's been trying to give up that habit of smoking. But she's never been successful. That is until recently. What was her secret of giving up a habit of smoking over 50 years? Well, her secret was 79-year-old Leo Jansen, who proposed marriage to her, but he refused to go through with the wedding until Alita gave up smoking. Here's what Alita says now. She says, willpower never was enough to get me off tobacco. It was love that did it. Love did it. True love changes us. It gives us the motivation to make changes, to make behavioral changes. It's love that changes us. And listen, God sent His Son over 2,000 years ago, an act of love, an act of sacrifice for you and I. This morning we're in Romans chapter 2. We're going to be looking at a few verses in chapter 2, starting with verse 25, in a series that I'm doing called Know the Why. And this morning's message is called A Matter of the Heart. Starting with verse 25 of Romans chapter 2, it says, For circumcision indeed is of value if you obey the law, but if you break the law, your circumcision becomes uncircumcision. So if a man who is uncircumcised keeps the precepts of the law, will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? Paul asked that question. And then he goes on to say, then he who is physically uncircumcised but keeps the law will condemn you who have the written code and circumcision, but you break the law. And so the Jews, of course, of Paul's day, prided themselves, and they still do today, uh, of the rite of circumcision. It's a symbol that they are God's people. And you only need to substitute that word circumcision with the word baptism or confirmation or even church membership to apply it to our 21st century uh, Christianity today. And so many Americans rest on, on what they believe is a fact that, well, they've been baptized or maybe they've been confirmed or they've been accepted as members in a church and they sign off on, well, they're good with God. Everything's cool with God. But Paul says that these things are useless and worthless if something hasn't happened in the heart. They're not useless and they're not worthless, but if it hasn't created a heart change, then they are. And the Jewish people had a religion of outward expression, uh, outward action, not an inward attitude. And, and they may have been moral outside, but what about the heart? What about the heart? And Paul answers this in verse 28 of Romans chapter 2. He says, For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical, in verse 29, he says, but a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart. By the Spirit, not by the letter, his praise is not from man, but from God. You, you might remember back in our study of the book of Acts, where Paul constantly ran into trouble with Jewish believers who were trying to make non-Jewish believers, believers in Christ, new converts, they were trying to make them into Jews. They were wanting 
uh, Gentiles, non-Jews, who got saved and became followers of Christ, the Jewish believers were wanting to Judaize them and make them into Jews following the practices of Judaism. And, and Paul ran into that. That was a big problem in, in our study in the book of Acts back a couple of months ago. And Paul addresses this in a letter that he wrote to the church in Galatia. In Galatians chapter 5, verses 2 and 3, Paul says, Listen, I, Paul, tell you this. If you are counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. I'll say it again, Paul says. If you are trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. And since no one's been able to follow every jot and tittle to the law, uh, nobody could, then circumcision does them no good. Now, some of you might be thinking, what on earth is Pastor Steve talking about when he uh, says the word circumcision? What does that mean? Well, I'm just going to give you an assignment. You can Google that and find out for yourself. So Paul is, is giving clear indication that those who take great pride in being religious or religiosity, and they believe that uh, living that kind of life is all that's needed to enter heaven, uh, that falls far short from what God's Word tells us. So my first point this morning is going to be really more of a question than a point. And the question is this, have you received a new nature? Have you received a new nature? In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. So when you receive a new nature, let me say it this way. When you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it's more than just believing in God. When Jesus becomes your Lord and Savior, God gives you a new nature. We were born with a sin nature. God gives us a new nature. God cannot allow sin into heaven. So he sent his son Jesus 2,000 years ago. Jesus died on the cross, took on all of our sin. And if we receive Christ as our Lord and Savior, our sin has been forgiven. And therefore, the sin issue has been taken care of. And so here's my point. If you're not... You're not a Christian until you receive a new nature. Let me just say it that way. And if you have received a new nature, there ought to be evidence that you have a new nature. Now, years ago, when we first moved out into Menifee, we moved out here from L.A. County uh, out to Riverside County. And this, at the time, was a small town called Menifee. And we lived on some acreage, and we've, we raised our kids there, and we uh, enjoyed that. Going from the city to the country life, uh, we uh, had chickens, we had horses, we even raised pigs a couple of times, and we, we thoroughly enjoyed that. One of the things I noticed with the pigs is on a hot day, we kept a little mud bath for them. Uh, on a hot day, they would love to just wallow in the mud. In fact, on a hot day, you couldn't keep them out of the mud. They were pigs. That's what pigs do. They wallow in the mud. Now, we had cats too because we lived out in the country and cats keep the rodents down. Now, we could give that pig or one of our pigs a cat nature, hypothetically speaking, of course, 
And being a cat, though he looks like a pig, he wouldn't wallow in the mud, would he? Because cats don't like water. They don't like wallowing in the mud. There needs to be a nature change, a heart change. And how someone appears on the outside really is insignificant compared to how they actually are on the inside. And so there needs to be a heart change. It's a matter of the heart. And only Jesus can do that. By the way, you can't change the nature of animals. That was an example for illustrative purposes that we need uh, supernatural intervention in our life. And that supernatural intervention comes from Christ. Paul says again in in Galatians chapter 6, verse 15, he says, it doesn't matter whether we've been uh, circumcised or not. What counts is whether we've been transformed into a new creation. So when we are saved, when you and I accept Christ, our nature changes. We're given a new nature, and that nature is in Christ. It doesn't matter if you wear the right clothes. Listen, it doesn't matter if you speak Christianese. It doesn't matter if you wear a big cross around your neck. Those things don't matter. What really matters is being a new creation in Christ. And so I go back to my first point, which is really a question. Have you received a new nature? Something to think very seriously about. Now, Back in 1901, there was a revival known as the Welsh Revival under the ministry of Robert Murray McShane. And it was such a great revival that every tavern, and back then, uh, taverns were popular. Those, we'd call that a sports pub uh, today. Every pub in Wales went broke during this revival. How many anti-alcohol sermons did, did McShane deliver? Not a single one. He never spoke against it. How many tirades against taverns or pubs did McShane preach on? Zero. Never approached it. People simply just lost interest in partying and getting drunk uh, because they got in touch with the Lord. They had a heart change through this revival. That's what revival does. So the true measure of a follower of Christ is is an inner change. It's an inner change change and and this means that anyone who belongs to christ has become a new person the old life's gone a new life has begun a new life's begun Uh, you can go to church but if it doesn't change you it means nothing you can serve in the church but if it doesn't change you it means nothing you can give to the church but if you haven't been changed inner man a new creation it doesn't mean anything listen a true follower of christ has new priorities. Hear me out. A true follower of Christ has new desires. A true follower of Christ has new dreams, has a new purpose because they have been changed from the inside out. And so Paul's point to both Jewish believers and non-Jewish believers is this. The Gentiles who've been changed on the inside are closer to God than the Jews who have not been changed on the inside or were just changed on the outside. You see, and this leads me to my second point, the outside reflects the inside. It's matters of the heart. Look with me at verse 26 of Romans chapter 2. So if a man who is uncircumcised keeps the precepts of the law, will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? This is Paul's reasoning 
Paul was a critical thinker, something we desperately need today. People don't seem to have the ability to process and think critically and use logic and reason to figure things out. And so if breaking the law makes the Jews as if they were uncircumcised, then doesn't keeping the law make Gentiles as if they were circumcised? See, that's the reasoning. And remember, circumcision was the identification that you were Jewish. It was something that they were proud of. Uh, and it's, Don't be confused by what I'm sharing with you this morning. This doesn't mean that we can work our way into heaven. Because we know that no one's good enough to work their way into heaven. And James makes this clear in James 2, verse 10. He says, For the person who keeps all the laws except one is as guilty as the person who has broken all of God's laws. And so we've learned over the course of our history that it's impossible for humankind to keep all the laws perfectly. And if you break one, remember, you've broke them all. And so that negates your ability to enter into heaven. But God remedied that in sending his son Jesus to die for our sins. He took care of the sin issue. And Paul's point here is Jews and Gentiles, they're in the same boat. Let me break that down. We're all in the same boat. The only way to heaven is through Christ. Jesus said that. The only way to the Father is through him. John chapter 14, verse 6, the only way to the Father is through the Son. Now, it's not what you know, but who you know. Have you ever heard that before? It's not what you know, it's who you know. That has both negative and positive connotations, but when it comes to a Savior, it's all you need to know. It's not what you know, but it's who you know. In Romans chapter 2, verse 28 and 9, it says, For no one is a Jew who merely is one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical, but a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart by the Spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. You know, it's been said that God has no grandchildren. What that means is, you can't get to heaven based on your parents or grandparents. You, you, if, if mom and dad served in the church or mom and dad was a pastor involved in ministry, that is not enough for you to go to heaven. And Paul makes this clear in that he, it doesn't matter who your parents are. It doesn't matter the ceremonies or even the tradition. Those things can be important, but they're not what's contingent, what's required to go to heaven. And this was the case, these outward and external signs, uh, they don't make us right with God. And this has been the case uh, all the way through our history in the Old Testament. The prophet Jeremiah in, in chapter 4, verse 4, he says, O people of Judah and Jerusalem, surrender your pride and power. Change your hearts before the Lord. You see, it's a heart matter. Change your hearts before the Lord, or my anger will burn like an unquenchable fire because of all your sins. You see, when someone becomes a follower of Jesus Christ, they have a heart change. Their, their heart's changed forever, for all eternity. You, you, you get a new nature. God has cured you. You have a heavenly home. We're just passing through here on earth. Our home is in heaven because we have a new nature. We can stand before the Lord, the Lord stand righteously, not on our own merits, but on what Christ did on the cross. 
We've been given a new nature. I've said on a regular basis now that God has called me as a pastor to tell people about Jesus. The Gospel. To bring as many people to heaven with me as I possibly can. Now listen to this. Ezekiel chapter 36 in the Old Testament, verse 26, it says this. And I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I, I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender and responsive heart. Let me read that again. Again, it's Ezekiel 36, verse 26. Prophetic word of how God can move in our heart. He says, I'll give you a new heart and I'll put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender and responsive heart. That's what God can do for you today. It's an amazing thing. God says He's going to give you a new heart. And, and that new heart comes through and by way of a relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to give you an opportunity to embrace, to receive a new heart this morning. Would you give your heart to Jesus Christ? Would you pray this prayer with me right now? Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I ask you to forgive me of all of my sin. Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross. I believe that you rose from the grave. I now ask you to be my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer to receive Christ, or if you rededicated your life to the Lord this morning, I want to uh, welcome you and congratulate you into the kingdom of God. You're a child of God now, and you have a heavenly home. You don't have to fear death. You have eternal life. God's forgiven you of your sins, and I want to say congratulations. And so if you prayed to receive Christ, or gave your heart to Christ uh, or in a rededicated fashion uh, i want you to text the word pray to the number you see on the screen right now so we can stay in communication and if you need a bible please let me know i'd love to send you a bible god bless you don't go anywhere we're going to worship the lord right now and i look forward to seeing you next week god bless you